Hey, welcome to the Cherry Hills podcast. During this Advent season, we're in a teaching series called Glory, where we're discovering that the glory of God, present at creation, is made visible at the incarnation. Thanks for listening. Well, speaking of missions, um, before I give the message today, I just want to stop and acknowledge uh, two people that are here today that we have partnered with uh, for close to 50 years, and uh, that's Ray and Susan Stensgard. You mind standing? Can we just welcome them? Would you say hello to them? Um, thank you. Ray and Susan have, uh, again, been in Belgium, uh, which is a very difficult country uh, in responsiveness to the gospel, but they've been faithful. They've planted churches, been discipling people. They're in a new chapter now where they're doing more of that virtually from Wisconsin, but they're still continuing that ministry and very much have Belgium on their heart. And so um, I want to just stop and pray and then also let you know that they will be out at the Connect Center after the service I know we've got a lot of new people, so maybe you've never met them before, but uh, they are precious people, and we're just so honored that we've been able to partner with you all these decades and are grateful to continue that. So, God, we just stopped for a moment. We just prayed, but we want to continue praying. We pray that we'll pray like breathing. We'll pray that your kingdom comes in Belgium. And we thank you that even the message that I'm going to share today reminds us that nothing is too difficult for you. We pray that you would reach the people there in Belgium who you love very much and use Ray and Susan to disciple people in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Okay, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to page 860 in the Black Bibles if you're using them or if you're just turning to it, the Gospel of John. We are spending time in John 1, 1 through 18, this time of Advent, and the series is called Glory. And last week, Steve helped us understand that while Matthew and Luke often give the narrative of Jesus' birth, it's John that actually tells us who Jesus is. And so as we think about this, uh, today we're going to look at how Jesus is the light. Last week we saw how Jesus is the word, and today we're going to talk about how he's the light. And um, as we think about that, I was uh, reading this conversation that kind of sets the stage for where many of us find ourselves today. A mom and a son were driving home from his hockey game and were chatting. The son paused, sighed, and then he said, Hey, mom, can I ask you something? What do you think the world will be like in 20 years? Because when I look around, things seem really bad. They seem really dark. And I just wonder how much worse it's going to get. And I think there's a lot of people having those kind of conversations these days. And so I can't tell you how thankful I am for the word of God. That I get today to talk with you about a passage that gives us so much hope. And it tells us that the glory of God has come in Jesus Christ. And again, you may say, how does glory have anything to do with light? So if you're following along in the message notes, uh, notice that glory can mean not only greatness and beauty, but it also can mean radiant light. Oftentimes, when the Bible tries to describe the glory of God, it uses the image of light. Some of you may remember uh, in Luke's gospel when it says that the shepherds were in the fields watching their flocks, 
And all of a sudden, this angel appeared, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they yawned. No, it says they were terrified. They had never seen that kind of radiant, blazing light in their whole life, and they knew something was up. And also, we read that John uh, eventually is able to be carried in the spirit, to stand in front of Jesus, now resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he falls on his face before the glorious, glorious Jesus. But when Jesus came the first time, he came incognito, so to speak, and his glory was veiled in many ways from its fullness, except in moments like the transfiguration, when it was absolutely clear that he was like no other. So today, as we look at this passage, we're going to read together, and I'm going to actually go back to verse 4 and 5 to catch up because it talks about Jesus being light there too. We're going to look at this, and I see a simple outline. Jesus the light, John the witness, and how we respond to Jesus' light. And so I want to invite you, if you would, in the first gray box, would you mind reading? Let's read God's word. Isn't it, by the way, a privilege to have God's word? And let's read it together, full voice, in that first gray box. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I'll jump down to verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, what I want you to notice is that Jesus is the light. Let me just unpack a little bit about this. First, as God, if you're following along, Jesus is the true light, the light of the world. Now, last week, Steve helped us understand, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to his message, I urge you to do that. It was fantastic. And he helped us see that even in verse one, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God. And so as we see this, as God, he is the true light. Now, I don't know if you know this, but 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So there are other forms of counterfeit light in the world. But Jesus is the true light. That's what it tells us here. And it's so important that we remember that. Notice, if you're following along second, that in Jesus, there's life. And his life is the light of all mankind. In Jesus, there's life. Oh, friends, one of the things, if you get to know Jesus and you come into a relationship with him, you realize that he offers life, life to the full. As Steve reminded us last week, I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly, Jesus said. So powerful. And then notice too, that the second gray box there Jesus actually makes this kind of claim about being the light of all mankind and the light of the world. Would you read it with me, that second gray box? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, notice next, if you're following along, is that his light shines in the darkness and the darkness hasn't put it out. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't put it out. One of the things that just was striking me this week as I was thinking about this is the tenacity of light. Uh, in World War II, 
pilots said that when the bombings were going on in London, that the British pilots could see that even if one small candle was lit in London, they could see it for 20 miles on dark nights, on clear nights. And so there's something about light that just cannot ultimately be extinguished once it enters into a place. And that is so powerful to know that even in a place like Belgium, where it may seem so dark, the light of Jesus has not been extinguished. There are people that have tried to put out Jesus' light and they have not been able to pull it off. The darkness has not overcome it. Praise God. And then notice that he came into the world to offer light to everyone. He came into the world, if you're following along, to offer light to everyone. (laughs) You have never locked eyes with someone that Jesus does not love. You may resent certain people. You may be prejudiced towards certain people. I know all of us have things that we struggle with in some relationships or some people that have harmed us. But we've never locked eyes with someone that Jesus didn't come into the world to offer his light in place of their darkness. And I'm so thankful. In fact, look what John 12, 46 actually says here on the screen. Here's what Jesus claimed. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I'm so glad that's his heart towards us. And uh, I was reading about how one person put this. I think they summarized it very well. They said, this is what it means. Jesus being the light of the world means the world has no other light than him. If there is going to be a light for the world, it will be Jesus. It is Jesus or darkness. There is no third alternative, no other light. It means, therefore, that all the world and everyone in it needs Jesus as their light. It means that the world was made for this light. This is not a foreign light. When this light comes, it not only makes sin plain as foreign and ugly, but it also makes everything good in the world shine with its full and true beauty. This world was made to be illumined by this light, the light of Christ. And finally, Jesus being the light of the world means that one day this world will be filled with this light as the waters cover the sea and all darkness and all the works of darkness and all the sons of darkness will be cast out. That's why Jesus called hell outer darkness. In that day, all will be light. Jesus, the radiance of the Father, will fill the world and everything will be beautiful with the light of Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Aren't you looking forward to what he wants to redeem and restore? I am. So that's Jesus the light. And we want to make much of Jesus here in this church. But notice what else God did to prepare. Let's read verses 6 through 8 if you want to follow along with me. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, John, this is the gospel of John. It's not referring to the disciple John. It's referring to John the Baptist the one who prepared the way. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So not only Jesus the light, but now look at John the witness. 
If you're following along, John the Baptist was sent from God, but he wasn't the light. John the Baptist was sent from God, but he wasn't the light. We, we could talk a lot about how Isaiah 40 says there's going to be a voice in the wilderness that's going to say, prepare the way of the Lord. And how John, when he was asked, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? He said, I'm not the one. I'm simply one who's come to prepare. In fact, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. This one that I'm going to point to is so much greater than me. You need to know he's the one that I am pointing to. He's the one I'm witnessing and testifying about. And I'm really glad that God sent him ahead of time. You know, one of the things that sometimes we say is, well, you know, God just didn't do enough work to make sure people knew. Oh, he did. He made sure that he not only sent Jesus, but he sent a witness that was faithful to death to point to Jesus. In fact, One of the famous things that happens later in this chapter in verse 29, he's going to say to the people around him, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. And so John was faithful and John was a witness, but John was just a regular human being that had been sent from God. And notice if you're following along, he came to testify. So through him, all might believe in Jesus. He came to testify so that through him, all might believe in Jesus. Friends, I just want to ask you a question. Who's witnessed Jesus to you? Who's pointed you to Jesus? Who's testified about Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, God used somebody. God, along with his Holy Spirit, somehow was able to point you to Jesus And I don't know about you, but I had several people do that. And I'm so grateful that they did. God is still in the business of using ordinary people to point people to Jesus. And I'm so glad that he has not left himself without a witness in this world. He still is pointing people to Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, even this week, he wants to use you. But now we also see that this is great to know that Jesus is the light, that God sent a witness named John. But you know what? The Bible says that's not enough to know all that. You and I have to decide how will we respond to Jesus and his light. And so notice what verses 10 through 13 go on to say. I'll read verse 10, and then I'm going to invite you to read verses 11 and 12 with me in that third gray box. The true, he was made, he was in the world, excuse me. And though the world was made through him, in other words, notice this is another way of saying Jesus is God. He was the creator. The world did not recognize him. Now, would you read verses 11 and 12 with me that talk about the response? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. And I'll read verse 13. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, all of us need a second birth. And Jesus came to help people be born from above, born again, born a second time, spiritually alive to God. And so as we think about this, let me just, there's three ways that I saw that we could respond this way 
And each one of those ways has an alternative. So if you're following along, notice that we can receive or refuse his light. We can receive or refuse his light. Now, John eventually wrote some other letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st, excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm still going to stay in John for a little bit here. But John chapter 3, he goes on and talks about this idea of light further. In fact, in John 1, 3, 8, and 12, he talks a lot about light in his gospel. But in John 3, look at these verses 19 through 20. Here's what he says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God and with the help of God. What this tells us is that while the light is good news for many, the light is bad news if you're interested in holding on to your old life. That if you are busy doing something that God does not want you to do, the last thing you want is the light to show up. I remember one time I was uh, walking into a dark campground and I had a flashlight and there was a couple doing some things they didn't want me to know about and my flashlight put me in a very awkward situation. And I'll just say, it's not just that couple. There's times I haven't wanted Jesus to shine on my light either, my life. There's something about how there's a reaction. And yet, what does it require? Why is it that we don't want the light? In many ways, it's about pride and control. And yes, fear, but fear that's based on us protecting our image. And so when you and I receive his light, which it says to all who received him. You know, again, we cannot, we cannot do better than what Jesus has done for us. If we try and make our own light, if we try and be, you know, full of light without Jesus, we can't pull it off. All we can do is receive his light into our lives. And that takes humility. That takes being willing to say, I know I may be afraid of really being known that intimately, really being exposed for where I actually am right now in life. But I want to take that risk because Jesus, I know his, he, he wills for my good. In fact, let me go on and show you several other passages. So John 12, I told you John talks further about light. Look at what Jesus said in John 12. Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And then there's this whole idea. This is why we named this series Glory. is because we want to celebrate the glory that was at creation is also the glory that was at the incarnation of Jesus coming in the flesh. And so when we think about that, look at what 2 Corinthians 4 says to us. It kind of explains some of this more to us. And <clears throat> I think we've got that there. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we are your, ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ. God has been doing something and he's trying to shine into our hearts so that we can know the glory of Christ in our lives and know the light in life. But again, if we choose, we can refuse. And this is serious stuff. Because friends, I don't know what you believe. I don't know what, where you get your idea of reality from. But the scripture tells us that there's coming a day when we will all stand before Jesus and give an account of what we've done, whether we received him or refused him. And the consequences will be real. They will be permanent and they will be eternal. That's why it matters. Sometimes darkness feels like to me in this world, like fatalism, like it doesn't matter what I do. Oh yes, it does. The Bible says is that while God has done all this, he also will respect our choice. And so look at what 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says. This is a sobering verse. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. And so when I think about that, I, years ago, I read this story to you, and I'll, I'll do it one more time because it always reminds me that when we really, if we really know who Jesus is, this is how it works. At a new auditorium of a large Midwest church, as they were nearing completion, the contractor and architect arranged to meet with some of the staff for the final inspection of their work. The morning of the inspection, one of the church staff arrived early and set up a spotlight like the ones you see in stage and theater productions and was aiming it at various sections of the 40-foot high ceilings. Another staff member took out a notebook and together they noted a number of places where flaws and defects in the workmanship could be clearly seen. When the contractor and the architect arrived and saw these two pulling uh, using a spotlight, they demanded immediately that the plug be pulled. No one's work could stand up under the hot, blazing brilliance of light like that, they protested. And they quickly showed the staff the contract, which specifically agreed to an inspection under natural room lighting conditions only. You know, it's tempting for us to judge our lives under natural room lighting conditions. But there's coming a day when what we've done with Jesus Christ will be visible, and who we really are will be made visible. And a lot of people go, well, that sounds terrible, but here's the good news. If you and I will acknowledge that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, but that God has sent his son so that we might have his light and the light of life now live in us, and we humbly receive this light, we can have hope. And we don't have to dread that day because Jesus will be standing right next to us as our advocate. Have you received Jesus Christ this Christmas? If you have not, that is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. 
You cannot imagine how you will come alive and the light of Jesus can shine in and through you. You will have a sense of purpose. You will have a sense of hope even when it's hard and how he wants that for us, every one of us, including you. The second thing is that we can walk in his light or keep walking in darkness. So many of us in this room, we have come to a place where we realize that we had all fallen short, that we were never going to measure up, that we would never have the true light in our life without the true light coming into our life by receiving it. But what we, we need to know is that there's a whole lot more after that. Now we need to learn how to walk in the light as he is in the light every day. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship. Or we can go back or keep walking in darkness. I've told you before about how when I was in high school, God became so real to me. His word opened up to me and I was on fire for Jesus, not in a self-righteous way. I was totally humbled and so full of gratitude that God would make himself real to me. But about six months after that, um, I decided to start dating a girl who through all of my buddy's reconnaissance, I had found out did not share my faith because I thought I will just lead them to Christ. And again, it wasn't their fault, but over time, I began to compromise and I began to be more and more interested in pleasing them and listening to them and their point of view. And my parents told me that in those days, they watched the light go out of my eyes. And friends, you and I, if we will walk in the light, if we will be willing to be transparent, if we'll be willing to be humble when God puts his finger on something, then we can continue walking in the light. And when we stop walking in the light, guess what? We can run back to walking in the light. We can know his grace. It's not that we can lose our relationship with Jesus, but we can sure mess it up or we can sure dim the light in our lives by making all kinds of little compromises or taking shortcuts. And so we can walk in the light. We can keep walking in the light. That's this idea of a regular daily life with Jesus. Now, again, if you've not seen this before, uh, 1 John 1, John talks about this. Remember I told you there was a 1st, 2nd, 3rd John? Now I'll actually go to it, okay? Here's what it is, 1 John 1. It says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continues to purify us from all sin. Aren't you glad? And so there's just moments when you may, are, are you taking any shortcuts this, this December? Are you finding yourself in any situations? I'll mention a situation in my life just a little bit later, but we can walk in the light as he is in light, or we can keep walking in darkness. Now, here's Ephesians 4. Let me just show you this passage. It's, a, it's, a little, it's a several verses, but let me show you what Ephesians 4 said. Here's what Paul said. For those of us that now want to walk in the life of Jesus. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. That, those were people that were without God uh, in the world. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 
Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So do you see that? Is that every day we need to put on the new self? We need to stay close to the light. We can keep walking in the light as he is in the light. And when we all of a sudden find something that's inconsistent, We don't have to beat ourselves up. We can just name it. We can step back into the light. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will continue to forgive our sins because we don't want anything wrenching that relationship with Jesus up. We want the light of his life to shine through us. And so, again, what are you filling your mind with? Is your mind being renewed by things of the light or by things of the darkness? Are you finding yourself flirting with the world or are you finding yourself filling your heart and mind with Jesus? This is what it looks like to really love Jesus back, to really love him and know him. And the third thing is that we can shine Jesus' light or live for ourselves. We can shine Jesus' light or live for ourselves. Some of you um, are Cardinals fans, St. Louis Cardinal fans. It wasn't exactly a great season this last year, but I'm I'm holding out hope for next year. So uh, Willie McGee is probably one of the favorite baseball players of Chicago Cardinals fans. And I love what Willie McGee once said. Here's the quote. Some people light up a room when they enter, some when they leave. (laughs) Is that you? Do you realize that one of the things that you were made for was you were made to shine the light of Jesus? You know, I don't know if you saw the moon this last week, but it was brilliant. And you know what? The moon's not the true light. All the moon's doing is reflecting the true light. And you and I, if we spend time with Jesus each day and continue to learn how to depend on him and seek him and walk with him, we can shine just like that. We can shine. I have a favorite story that I've read It says, many years ago, a gentleman was walking in the east end of a city in Europe. The streets were so narrow and the houses so high that little direct sunshine ever reached the houses on one side. The gentleman noticed a ragged, barefooted boy trying with a small piece of mirror to catch the sun's rays and direct them to a certain spot on one of the houses opposite. He became interested in the boy's earnest efforts. What are you trying to do, lad? He asked. Do you see that window up there? The boy replied. Well, my little brother had an accident two years ago and is always lying on his back in that upstairs room. And since it is on the wrong side to get the sunshine, I always try to reflect the light in this little piece of glass and shine it into his room. You don't need much to shine. You don't have to be much to shine. God can take your little piece of mirror or my little piece of mirror, and if we'll let him direct our lives, it can shine. Friends, there are people in this city right now that are in despair. There are people in this city right now that are thinking about ending it all, and they need the light of Jesus. 
And Jesus wants to be the light in their life. And he often uses those of us that rub shoulders for those people to care and pray and say, oh God, I'm, I, I get it wrong a lot of time, but please somehow shine through my life. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the power and the light comes from God and not from us. But oh, let it shine through us. I think oftentimes, you know how God shines? He often shines through our eyes. Jesus said, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In other words, your eye. And if you've ever encountered someone that has the light of Jesus, there's something different about their eyes. And Jesus can make your eyes come alive with the light of his life in you and how he wants to do it. And so as we think about this, I thought to myself, how do I possibly talk about this in such a way that might be helpful? And so I just close with this last sentence, if you want to fill it in. Jesus, please show me what I'm doing with you and your light. Jesus, please show me what I'm doing with your, you and your light. And so let me just tell you quickly, uh, I have an office at home. I told my small group this this week. I have an office at home, and I have a treadmill in it and a chair to study and a nice desk, and then I have a TV because I love if I'm walking on the treadmill to watch football and things like that. So, but I noticed that with that TV in the office, I was wasting a lot of time. And I also would just would fall back on that. And then sometimes late at night when I couldn't sleep, I would be watching stuff I shouldn't be watching. And I was just noticing. And so God just said, well, then take it out of your office. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to. <laughs> that was my first reaction. But then all of a sudden I thought, Jeff, what are you going to do with the light? Do you want the light to shine in you? Or are you going to let some things dim your light? Don't let that happen, Jeff. The world needs me to be close to Jesus. And he needs you to be close to Jesus. And it's possible. This is the good news of Advent. And so we're going to take communion here in a moment. And this is a great opportunity. The Bible says that whenever we take communion, we need to just be remembering important things. We need to remember that no matter how much we've messed up, Jesus is greater than our sin. We need to remember that when he shed his blood on the cross and yelled out, it is finished, it opened the possibility for light shining into the world and helping people like you and me. And so if you've never taken communion with us, we have these cups here, and we're gonna take the bread and the juice in just a moment. And as we do, I just wanna ask you, would you, would you be courageous enough to let God shine his light into your heart today and just show you, what are you doing with it? Are you, are you playing games? Are you humbly saying, oh God, this I, I just acknowledge this to you. I know, I mean, I have some things even in the last 24 hours that I've had to just ask God, oh God, please help me shine your light on that. Let your grace shine on that and heal that or correct that, change me. But anyway, if you've never taken communion with us, Please know that even if you're from another church, if you've put your trust in Jesus and received his light, please take communion with us. But if you've never done that before, maybe he's been working on your life and witnessing to you and you're ready today. Even as you've been sitting here, you go, I want him. 
I want to receive his light, then this would be the first thing you do as a follower of Jesus with us. But if you're not ready to do that, we respect the process that God may be taking you through. Just use this time without taking communion. Think about your relationship with him. No one will look down on you. We're here together. We're so glad we can learn together. So Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he wasn't just thinking about himself. He was thinking about us. And he passed out the bread to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat this. And every time you do, remember me. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant I'm making with you. I'm making a covenant with you. I promise myself to you. And as often as you drink this, Remember that I shed my blood for you and I love you. Drink this and remember me. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like more info on our church, you can visit our website or find us on Facebook.